Hello friends, welcome to Village Idiots of Christ, where we're nuts for Jesus and just plain nuts. It's Revelation Wednesday, we're up to chapter 20, got three chapters left, 20, 21, and 22. Today we're going to talk about the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. And before I get into that, let's talk about the thousand years. There's been approximately, since Adam, they can trace it back, and there's been approximately, and this is approximate, uh, 6,000 years of human history. And the theory is it's 6,000 years, which equals six days. A, a, a day is as a thousand years to God. And so you have the six, the six days of creation, and then you have the seventh day of rest. And so what the, the theory is, is that you've had, had 6,000 years from Adam to present, and now we're going to have the thousand-year Sabbath, the thousand-year, the, the day of rest, the Sabbath day, which will be a thousand years upon the earth with Christ reigning. The, the earth turned into a garden paradise. Um, all the old cities gone and Christ completely redoing the entire earth because it says in Revelation 18 or 19 that the cities of the nations collapse. So every city, every large bridge, everything that's a structure built by man, the Bible calls it, you know, the, neighbor, the nations labor in vain. They exhaust themselves from nothing. It's just fuel for the fire. So God is going to start over. When he sends Christ back and Christ reigns victorious over the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, and Satan himself, and the millennial reign starts, Christ, the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit are all together. They're going to renovate the planet. So it will be, it says every, every mountain will be brought low and every island will disappear. The geography is going to change. And it's going to be a thousand years of Christ reigning from Jerusalem over the whole earth. And there'll be nation states. It's a lot about the millennial reign and Isaiah and other things. So this is the thousand years of rest after 6,000 years of 15,000 plus wars and all the violence shed on the earth. The earth is going to get a break. And Christ is going to reign for a thousand years. It's a beautiful thing, and it's literal. There are whole denominations that don't even believe this is literal. But this, these, these scriptures aren't hard to see that it's literal. So let's get right into it. Chapter 20. Sorry about the long introduction. It's a short chapter. Probably won't take long, but I wanted to talk to you because this is a, there's a David Jeremiah teach, has some great teaching on this. He covers a lot of the Old Testament scripture on this. You want to look him up, just, you know, thousand-year millennial reign of, or the millennial reign of Christ, David Jeremiah. Great teaching on this. Very much more detailed than what I'm going to give you in such a short period here, but good stuff. So let's get right in. And I saw an angel coming out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So let's hold on to that thought. Um, uh, let me go here. Let's go back one chapter. But the beast, this is uh, cha chapter 19, verse 20. Let's, I'm going to show you what happens to the beast and the false prophet first. Then we'll get right back into 20. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs they had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown, thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So the... the um, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet to be thrown literally alive go from this reality into the reality of eternity, thrown into the lake of fire for uh, forever and be done, judged, finished. And so 
Now it's Satan to be dealt with, and that's where we get chapter 20. So the, the false prophet, the, uh, the Antichrist false prophet, and all of Antichrist soldiers, it says in verse 21, the rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, that's Jesus, and the birds, and all the birds gorged themselves on the flesh. So Antichrist taken care of, false prophet taken care of, all of his soldiers taken care of. Who's left to be taken care of? Lucifer. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, that's the bottomless pit, and holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So Satan is literally going to be bound in the earth for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, the bottomless pit, and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. So Satan will have no influence over the heart or mind of any human being for a thousand years. No, not that people don't have a sin nature anymore. They do, but it's going to be on suspended animation for a thousand years. And so men will, they won't be following after their sin nature for a thousand years. A truly amazing thing. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. So we'll cover that in a little bit. That comes out in a little bit. We'll explain why Satan is set free. So this, that's the thousand year millennial reign of Christ, where there's going to be peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Again, you can just Google uh, Old Testament scriptures on millennial reign. There's dozens, if not hundreds of them. Isaiah is chock full of them. The lion laid down with the lamb. No one will harm or hurt on my holy hill. There's so much. Uh, Zechariah 12, 13, 14. There's so much. So let's continue on. I saw thrones on which were seated, those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. These are those that were martyred during the tribulation, who were beheaded during the tribulation. These are those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their hands. So they would not worship the beast or his image and they they would not receive his mark on their forehead or their right hand. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were over. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, for they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So those who die during the tribulation that are martyred for the testimony of Christ, for their refusal to take the mark of the beast and worship his image. And again, let me stress, if you receive the mark of the beast and worship his image, you are doomed. You have given your soul over to Satan. There's no saying, God knows my heart, or I had to do this to feed my family. No. This is a a once-for-all decision. You're either in God's camp or you're in the devil's camp. And after this, you belong either to God or to the devil forever. It is an unforgivable sin. It is as the blasphemy. Think how much worse this is than the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to say that, like with Jesus, they accused him of being powered by the devil to do the miracles. Well, this time, you're not only powered by the devil, but you're joining camp. You're joining forces with the devil. <laughs> so you're taking it to the next level. So this is the the second of the two unforgivable sins. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, receiving the mark of the beast. It says, in, it says, I forget what chapter, the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There's no rest day or night for those who worship the beast or his image and receive the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey con- God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. We have to remain, if we live through this time, we have to remain faithful to Jesus. 
There's no cop-out. God knows my heart. That's just garbage. If you receive the mark of the beast, and there are people on the earth, there's teachers that teach you can receive the mark of the beast and be forgiven. It is a lie from the pit of hell. There is no forgiveness for receiving the mark of the beast and worshiping his image, period. Don't be deceived. It's very clear scripturally there is no forgiveness for this. Okay, now this is the first one. These guys, the, those that were martyred, come back to life. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first. So if you are, have the privilege of being martyred during the tribulation, you will be part of the first resurrection and come back to life and rule and reign with Christ um, as a priest. Um, it says the second death, that's the lake of fire, that's Gehenna. The second death has no power over them, but there will be priests of God and Christ will reign with them for a thousand years. So, and so if we pass through these times, if, if, the, if the rapture doesn't come till later, it's not early, but it's later, and we pass through these times, be willing to lay your life down for Christ. The reward is to be part of the first resurrection. The reward is to be a king and priest of God and Christ. Man, the reward for this, for following through on this, and for being able to be willing to lay your life down is great. Amen. You rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years as an honored priest. Amen. Satan's doom, verse 7. Now here it comes, and I'll explain this. When the thousand years were over, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. In number they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The question that comes up again and again and again is why God allows the devil to come up one more time. Why? Very, very simple. It is the final test of the hearts of men. And sad to say, a lot of them, I don't want to say most, I don't know what the percentage of those who live through tribulation um, are going to fall away. But Imagine this, you've had everything you want for a thousand years, you've had a long life, you've had no sickness, no disease, you've, you've had a job, all your needs are provided for supernaturally by the Lord. He's given you all your heart's desire for a thousand years. And then the devil comes out of the pit and puts these thoughts in your mind and you just, boom, go with God's arch enemy, the devil. That's, it shows that the, that our hearts, the, the depravity in man's heart is not governed by his circumstances. If you've had perfect circumstances for a thousand years, a millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and then the devil comes up, you ought to be able to resist. People should, but so many won't. And they'll be deceived into following it. It's, it's, it's tragic. Let's, 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 let's go through this. Then another thousand years old, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. And number they are like the sand on the seashore. So they're going to be an innumerable company of people. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp. They're going to march across the whole earth. That's probably from all sides of Jerusalem and march towards Jerusalem, glorified Jerusalem. They surrounded the, the, surround the camp of God's people, the city loves. That's Jerusalem. And then once they, once they get towards, you know, like the, the, Satan is going to con convince them that they can take over, that they can win, that they can take over Christ, that they can rule and reign. The moment they get within uh, whatever distance of, once they've surrounded the Jerus Jerusalem, glorified Jerusalem, then God's punishment falls upon them. 
and the, um, the, the uh, see, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Just like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, fire is going to fall from heaven. I don't know if it's going to be burning sulfur like hit Sodom and Gomorrah, but some kind of fire is going to come down from heaven and consume them. And the devil who deceived them, and here's, here's his final punishment. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil is finally going to get his due, finally going to get his just reward for all of his crimes against God. And the, you can imagine his torment and punishment will be fierce. So that's the explanation. Man's heart is tested one last time and shown the depravity of man's heart is total outside of Christ. And even with Christ in your presence, uh, you can still resist. And that's what so many are going to do, even during the millennial reign, resist. They may not be overtly sinning, but there's going to be a level of discontent in their heart, not really wanting to be ruled by Christ, not being tempted by the devil, but kind of in this in-between place where you had the first temptation against Christ, boom, they're on board with it. And that's sad. That is sorrowful. It is, this is one of the great tragedies of all time, that the, that men would be willing to follow the devil after having everything they could ever want for a thousand years. It's a tragedy. Uh, the dead are judged. Uh, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, then there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the death that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. And death and Hades, or hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the great white throne judgment and Christ sitting on the throne. And this is the judgment of the damned. The judgment seat of Christ is for, for the Christians uh, to be judged for their hearts, for their works in Christ. And again, not a salvational judgment, but a judgment of if see what they did, what they were supposed to do with the gifts and talents God gave them to serve mankind. This is a judgment strictly of works. Again, all of these people's hearts are against God. So their works, the level of their, their depravity, their darkness is judged. You can believe a guy like Stalin or Lenin will be judged more, much more fiercely than someone who just was a regular person because of the, the gravity and nature of their crimes. A guy like uh, Hugh Hefner, who led so many astray with sexual morality, will be judged much more harshly than someone who's just a regular person. And so and I'm just throwing those guys out there. But this is going to be a judgment for works. They're judged by their works. We are judged before Christ by, for our, by our hearts and whether our hearts uh, followed Christ completely. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Again, no heaven or hell there. All of us stand before the great white throne judgment are damned. That these are the lost that are being judged. And I saw the dead, great and small. And again, this is a fierce thing. Then I saw a great white throne, him was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there is no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead. So they're going to check the book of life to see if their names are in there. Of course they won't be. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and hell, or Hades, gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and hell were thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, again, this is the final judgment. First you have 
You have the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. You have Satan's rebellion. Then you have final judgment, the great white throne judgment. And then we go into the new heavens and new earth. From chapter 21 and 22, everything is different. Everything is changed. Everything made new. And so, again, be glad if your name is written in the book of life. Be glad that you know Christ. Be glad that you're not part of the rebellion that's going to take place. And I've often wondered at the end of the thousand years, I'm going to be able to warn men, hey, the devil's coming. He's coming for your heart. He wants you. I don't know whether we're going to be allowed to warn them or it's just going to have to allow it to play itself out. But anyway, love you, love you, can't get enough of you. This is Revelation chapter 22, more chapters. And in June, we'll be back in, uh, yeah, it'll be June. Maybe late May will be, uh, no, no, it'll be June. Uh, a few more weeks and uh, we'll be back in um uh, back in Revelation chapter 1. So we're going to keep going through this book and going through it and going through it to get more and more revelation of Revelation. This is the hour for this book. This book is coming to pass. and Not far away will we start to see. I mean, the horsemen are, the four horsemen may already be riding. And we've talked, me and my friend Jack have talked about this at length. We believe they probably are. And so, again, you see how the world is turning on its head. You see the darkness overtaking the world now more and more and more every day and so we love you can't get enough of you love you love you can't get enough of you appreciate you and we will see you tomorrow with um isaiah i think if i'm not mistaken anyway love you love you talk to you tomorrow have a blessed day